but you didn't see the outcry after that came. Nobody was screaming and whining and on television and, and complaining in the press conferences. And there was no national media saying we need to review the referees. The NFL can't let this stand. Nobody wanted to say anything about that. Giants get a huge win over Washington to keep their playoff hopes alive. But were they gifted this one by some poor officiating down the stretch? I know a lot of people have opinions on that one. We'll be weighing in, but first and foremost, it's the Giants Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by Dan Benton, the managing editor of USA Today's Giants Wire. Dan, how you doing this week? Yeah, it's nice to be back on the winning side of things. Excited to you know look ahead. Obviously, Giants got some playoff clinching scenarios, which we'll talk about a little bit later in this show. Uh, it's just nice to get off the schneid. You know, it was kind of a rough few weeks for the Giants there, and you began to wonder, you know, is this team serious? Do they have the potential? Do they really have the talent? Can they make it happen? Or is it going to be one of those, you know, second half slides where they kind of just blow everything out of the water and fall apart in the end? And I'm glad to see that they didn't, that they hung on, and now they can really legitimately control their own fate. Yeah, just a huge W over Washington. We'll be diving right into it. But before we get right into the show, just want to say off the top, we hope you, the listener, have a safe, happy, and healthy holiday weekend. This will be our last podcast of 2022, but don't worry. We'll be back the first week of January to pick up the Giants playoff push, uh, which remains alive after this win over Washington, Dan. However, the Giants got bailed out by the refs. At least that's what social media has been screaming all week long, right? On the final defensive play of the game, I'm seeing all over social media, Darnay Holmes draped all over Curtis Samuel, so he should have been called for P.I. Also, it was the ref's fault, according to social media, that Washington lined up illegally on Brian Robinson's uh, rushing touchdown. I know you've, uh, you have some opinions on this, although you did write on Giants Wire, Dan. Objectively, it was defensive pass interference when you were talking about Darnay Holmes, but there was other... Something else on that play you wanted to hit on, so let's jump right in. Give me something on the refs and the reaction nationally and from Washington fans, Washington Twitter, after this ballgame. Yeah, I, I got to collect myself here for a moment before I go off the rails because <laughs> I, I am so tired of hearing this nonsense over the last few days. It, it's exhausting. It's excuse-making. It's, it's, just, it's just straight garbage, and let me tell you why. Yes, it was defensive pass interference on Darnay Holmes, but on that very same play, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, and it's clear as day if you watch the game, you watch the film, it's right there. You could see he's getting double teamed and he gets poked in the eye to the point where he actually has to step out of the play because he got jabbed in the eye so hard. You know, there was no flag on that, and there's no talk about that. Nobody wants to bring that up because it kind of kills the narrative that, oh, it cost them the game. You know, maybe the penalties would have offset. They would have got another try. They still had to score a touchdown, a two-point conversion, and then they would have had to win the game later anyway. And You know, it's not like it was the only egregious call throughout the game. You know, there was a a point earlier in the game where Richie James was blatantly tackled on his route on a third down play that ultimately led the Giants to throw an incomplete pass, and then they had to punt the ball. I don't see anybody wanting to talk about that. You know, Daniel Jones got a face mask, you know, his face mask grabbed. Now, granted, it wasn't yanked, but it was still a face mask. Nobody wants to talk about that. Going back to the week prior, we talked about it on this show. We didn't make an excuse. We didn't say the Giants lost for this reason. But on that final series, the final offensive series for the Giants in regulation, the referee spotted the ball two yards short of where it was. Uh, The Washington defender tried to slap the ball out of Richie James' hand. There was no delay of game called. Then in the very next second, they lined up completely offsides, not even like slightly offsides. They were over the ball and almost in 
the Giants' offensive line, and there was no offsides called. The Giants ultimately missed that game potential game-winning field goal by five yards. Those penalties plus that two-yard spot would have given them seven yards and the win in that game. But you didn't see the outcry after that game. Nobody was screaming and whining and on television and, and complaining in the press conferences, and there was no national media saying, we need to review the referees. The NFL can't let this stand. Nobody wanted to say anything about that. Going back to week two of last season, you know, uh, when Washington missed the, what ultimately turned out to be the game-winning field goal, yes, yes, uh, yes. Dexter Lawrence was called offsides, even though he very clearly was not offsides. And in the aftermath of that, you know, Mike Florio and Peter King are arguing that Dexter Lawrence just did too good of a job. It was too perfect. He needs to slow down a little bit. So the contrast in the complaints here is just almost comical to me, and frankly, I don't want to hear about it. And then if you want to talk about Terry McLaurin, and his illegal formation and, and, you know, all these theories about how the ref told him what to do. I watched that 50 times. Not only did that ref's lips never move for a single second, he wasn't giving a thumbs up. He was giving a knife point. Now, if you know what a knife point is, if you're a military person, and you see referees do this every week in every game, they use knife point. They use all four of their fingers to a point, whether it's a first down, a point to the line, whatever it was. McLaurin lined up. He asked the referee. The referee gave him a knife point. McLaurin kind of shuffled his feet. He leaned forward. He never actually stepped forward. The bottom line is it was illegal. It was an illegal. Um, he lined up illegally. That's just that's just all there is to it. You're a professional football player. You you don't you shouldn't be relying on the referees to tell you where to line up. I understand that it's become customary in the NFL for you know, receivers to occasionally ask the referees, but the referees are under no obligation to tell you where you have to be. Now, this referee did give him the benefit of the doubt and knife pointed right to where he was supposed to be. He never got there. It is a penalty. Stop using his excuse. Yeah, I like that one. The ref should have the ref should have helped out Terry McLaurin on that one. Uh, and I don't know if did you even mention uh, Feliciano and the flex? Oh no, I didn't even bring, I didn't even bring that flag up. But you know what? To be fair, I thought that was a penalty, and I argued that during that our podcast after that game, you you don't leave the interpretation up to the referee. You know, uh, there is an emphasis on taunting. I, I, listen, in the aftermath of everything that happened, I know people to this day still don't necessarily agree with that. But if you want to lump that in, that's that's perfectly fine to lump in because. In this past game against the Commanders, one of the Commanders' offensive linemen did the same exact damn thing, and there was no penalty thrown on that play. So, again, you want to talk about the inconsistency and not only the officiating, but the reaction to the officiating. I could go on all day. I could go on for hours about this. It's just for the first time this year, it actually benefited the Giants, and now everybody wants to cry about it. (laughs) All right, Dan, I hope you feel a little bit better. I was excited (laughs) to do that for you. Uh, You had to get that off your chest. Uh, Yeah, so... Let's be let's be real. Before we complain about the refs, we should we should note that Kayvon Thibodeau, there was clearly he was handled illegally, hands to the face, hands through the face mask. The Giants are getting poked in the eye left and right this season. Dan, it's crazy. Uh, So they should have just had those two penalties offset with the Darnay Holmes pass interference. One more play from the six. Would the Washington score from there? Probably not because the quarterback is Taylor Heineke. So uh, the Giants probably would have won either way. So we're going to move on from the refs, but. Uh, is just a huge W for Washington. I mean, a huge W for the Giants over Washington. I'm sorry. And a, a big reason why, Dan, Kayvon Thibodeau. And I think coming out of this game, just watching him utterly dominate. Uh, and I know it wasn't perfect. And you could talk about that a little bit better than I could. But he just was the guy that stood out. Looked like the best player on the field. And, 
you just have to wonder like how the hell did this guy fall to number five overall he fell right into the giant's lap due to like character issues or whatever yeah, but that's, every that's time yeah, every time he talks i'm excited to listen because i think he's got great character i think he's kind of a fun interview and seems like the players love him and all that so like thank god that guy fell to the giants because he was amazing and in this game i mean the strip sack touchdown the the constant pressure 12 tackles nine solo right like he was just he was uh the man and making uh joe shane feel pretty good about uh drafting cave on tibido number five overall eh Hey, damn, 12 tackles? But, yeah. Um, exactly, yeah. First, of, yeah. first and foremost, going back to, you know, the pre-draft, that, you know, it was all about his, you know, work ethic, his character concerns. He, he could not have done a better job of shutting all that down and shutting all that out. He's He's been the complete polar opposite of all of those concerns. He's a hard worker. He's dedicated. Um, he's respected in the locker room. Um, you know, he, he there's no character concerns that I've seen. You don't hear a peep about this kid you know, away from the football field. He's football 100% of the time. So, you know, whoever those scouts were, whoever those analysts were, they, they could not have whiffed harder on that. Uh, as far as the performance, I mean, what, what more what more can you say? He said leading up to the game that primetime likes him, and he certainly backed that up with one of the most impressive defensive performances that we've seen uh, from the Giants in quite some time, arguably the best defensive performance of the entire season uh, across the NFL. You know, the 12 tackles, the forced fumble, the fumble recovery, the sack, the, you know, the quarterback hits, the pressures, you know, he, he did it all. He was dropping in the coverage. Um, he, he saved the game essentially on that final Washington drive where Heineke was going in for the score and he came shooting out of the end zone where he was in coverage to stop him at the one yard line. That play kind of gets overlooked. That was arguably bigger uh, than any other play that was made in the game. He did get burned on a couple RPOs. Um, you know, he, he shot a couple down, but he got burned on a couple too. And, you know, that just shows that he is human. He's not perfect. There, are, There is some, you know, improvements to be made. But, you know, he'll look at the tape and he'll he'll make those adjustments. And he's getting better each and every week with Aziz Ojolari being back now, uh, Leonard Williams being back to four along that line. They're, they're extremely dangerous. And, you know, they're, they're going to be very challenging for opposing teams because you're not going to be able to double any one of them without letting another one go one-on-one. And every single one of those players from left to right, they're going to win one-on-one matchups. So, to see, uh, you know, Thibodeau get hot right now as the Giants are heading towards this playoff push, it, it couldn't be better timing. Yeah, that play where uh, Kayvon went off, went across the field and, and met Heineke at the goal line. I mean, I still don't know how Heineke didn't score. He just like folded like a tent did when he hit Thibodeau on that play. It was like amazing. It's like it was I like see, he had a brick wall. It was yeah, crazy. Yeah. It was like, like he ran straight into a brick wall. <laughs> he folded like a tent, man. I don't know how he got that ball. He didn't get that ball yeah, in there. Yeah. That was that was amazing. But yeah, I think you know Giants fans. You know, it's probably he. Yeah, he. I think he went into self protection mode because if he would have tried to take that head on, he he was really going to get smashed for sure. Yeah, I, I just think you know the play that. I can't stop watching is just the, you know, the touchdown, just the bull rush attack. The football is Heineke's cocking his arm, track the ball, pick it up, score all in one motion, just like a freakish play from the edge. You know, I, I just think giants fans watching the game, Dan must be like, Oh, Oh, that's, that's nice. Like where we haven't yeah. seen that in a decade, right? Like that kind of pass rush. Like, mm-hmm. so, and, and really with Aziz Ojolari as well, you, you know, your pass rush and your pressure, was kind of the difference in the game, I think, when you when you look back on it, and that's like a that's a kind of a, a new phenomenon for Giants fans watching fo- watching football these days, right? So that is something to hang our hats on, no matter how this season ends. Is you got these young pass rushers that are kind of changing the way you play defense, and uh, that uh, that makes you feel good. That's got to make yeah. you feel good, right? 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm sure Giants fans are thrilled. Traditionally, that's the way the Giants have won throughout their history is, you know, dominant pass rush, an organic pass rush. How many times have you heard me say that over the last few years? You know, got to have that organic pass rush. And now with those four guys healthy, you know, they're doing a great job. And I know that, you know, Kayvon is the one who lit up the box score and he deserves all the credit in the world. That was a hell of a performance. But that performance doesn't happen if Aziz Ojolari isn't healthy and on the opposite side there. Um, I, I don't think that Aziz should be overlooked by any stretch of the imagination. He's had injury issues, and that's unfortunate. Uh, but he's every bit as capable and dominant as Thibodeau. Both of them have extremely high ceilings. I wouldn't want to even put you know, a potential ceiling on either of them because who really knows how far they can go. They have all the athletic talent in the world. And, and I think Giants fans should be extremely excited about both of them. And with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams on the inside of those two, you know, if that, you know, if that foursome can stay healthy, is there a better defensive line in the NFL? I don't know if there is, honestly. It's elite, man. That's elite. Uh, yeah, and, and speaking of Dexter, he makes the Pro Bowl as a reserve. Dan, give me 30 seconds on this. Saquon Barkley, a starter. No surprises there. I think the one player uh, Giants fans were expecting uh, to be in the Pro Bowl for the Giants, maybe opposite Saquon, was uh, Andrew Thomas. He was the big snub. People are not happy about it. Give me 30 seconds on that, Dan. What do you think? Well, I was was shocked. Um, We actually had the article pre-written and Andrew Thomas was included. Uh, We just didn't think there was any possible way that he wasn't going to get the nod. You know, I know he's had a couple games um, recently down this winless stretch where you know, he wasn't perfect. He was still well above average, but, you know, he had kind of fallen off a little bit from his near perfection and he gave up a sack or two. I don't, I don't think that should have been enough for him to fall out of it, you know, to the point where he's an alternate. Um, I, I don't remember. I don't know off the top of my head as we record this, whether it's a third alternate or fourth alternate, but to think that there are that many offensive tackles in the NFC alone that are better than him is preposterous to me. Um, uh, he'll get his due eventually. It's unfortunate that it didn't come this year. Uh, but, you know, he he's going to be a franchise left tackle for a very long time, arguably one of the most dominant in football this year, probably going to be the one of the most dominant moving forward. As far as Dexter and Saquon, certainly deserving. You know, Barkley had a little bit of a lull there, but he came back in a big way against Washington. Some of those spin moves, some of those jukes, taking people out of their shoes, that was that was peak uh, Saquon right there. So he, he's deserving. He comes back from, you know, a multitude of injuries, including that ACL. Uh, so, you know, you know, congrats to Saquon. Awesome to see Big Dex get his due. Uh, he should have got it last year. Glad to see he got it this year. You know, Graham Gano is another snub. Not too thrilled to not see him make the Pro Bowl. You know, he, he missed, you know, a couple kicks when he had, well, I don't want to say COVID, but he was ill. Um, but I don't think that should have been enough to push him out of there. He, he was more than deserving, too. It's a shame that Julian Love didn't get a little bit more love. I was shocked to see that Feliciano was named an alternate because I'm going to be completely honest. I don't necessarily know that that was deserving. I don't think the interior offensive line has played well this season, and I don't think Feliciano has played particularly well this season. Yeah, that was that was surprising, and we'll see, Dan. Uh, we're we're hopefully we're trending towards a, a time where the Giants get a little bit more love and respect, right? Mm-hmm. But we're still building towards that. I think people still think. The Giants are the dumpster fire that they were in previous years, and they just they just aren't quite the dumpster fire. Honestly, I think it speaks volumes about the fact, Feliciano included, my opinion of him aside, I think it speaks volumes about where the Giants are, that they got two in, and then you know a handful of alternates as well, because it's been a long time since they got that level of recognition when it comes to the Pro Bowl. No doubt about it. So we're going to talk about the playoffs here coming up. Now, 
I, I basically guaranteed the Giants would make the playoffs back when they were seven and two. Dan uh, almost <laughs> almost spoke too soon when we went uh, yeah. over a month without a win there. Uh, but we got a big W. The Giants have clinching scenarios before Christmas. So go figure that. Clinching playoff clinching scenarios before Christmas. Nobody predicted that. I, I guarantee no. you. We'll talk about some of that. We'll talk about Giants Vikings. But first, it's uh, the fantasy playoffs. A lot of leagues, fantasy semifinals. For me, Dan, I've had Jalen Hurts rushing for two or three touchdowns a game for me. Now he's like maybe not playing against Dallas. I need help. I don't have any other quarterback on my roster. So who do I pick up? Sam Darnold? Like, who do I pick up? I'm screwed. So I need some help. Corey Bonini from the huddle.com. Hopefully he's got my back. He's going to tell us who to start in your fantasy uh, semis or playoffs. And then Dan and I will be right back. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number 16. Quarterback Daniel Jones, New York Giants at Minnesota Vikings. It seems like every week Minnesota's a defense to target for anyone looking to stream a quarterback, but it takes a certain set of circumstances to be willing to roll with Jones. His receiving core is underwhelming, if we're being kind, and the offense runs through Saquon Barkley. No one should bench a proven stud for him, of course. That said, the Vikings have allowed three rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks this year, and three of the last four passers to face this defense have been good for at least 330 yards. If you're in a 2QB setup or you're playing DFS, Jones is an interesting play. Pittsburgh Steelers running back Najee Harris versus the Las Vegas Raiders. The second-year pro has a floor of 9.9 PPR points in nine straight, but has been capped at 14.6 as a high over the last four contests. The Raiders have been abused by running backs in 2022, and it has come in all forms of success. This is a top-seven opponent for ease of rushing touchdowns, receptions allowed per game, aerial yards and outing, and total touchdown frequency since Week 10. Most gamers probably won't be benching Harris, but he could be in store for a much stronger outing than usual this week. Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Marquise Goodwin at Kansas City Chiefs. Wide receiver Tyler Lockett is poised to miss this one with a finger injury, and the veteran speedster and Goodwin will be asked to step up. Kansas City is capable of hanging points with the best of them, and this could get Seattle into a pass-heavy script if the defense is unable to contain Patrick Mahomes and co. Goodwin is a risk-reward wide receiver three who is one week removed from a five-catch, 95-yard, one-touchdown showing. So there's something to work with here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end Kate Otten at Arizona Cardinals. Otten was starting to find his groove late into the rookie's campaign before being held to a lone 20-yarder versus the Bengals. Arizona tends to be the cure for all all tight end ales, but we've seen a few poor performances sprinkled in among the brilliant ones of late, so this could go either way and not really surprise anyone. If you're in position to either gamble on a lineup spot or you play DFS, this matchup is for you. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. And as we said earlier, playoff clinching scenarios for the Giants before Christmas. I, I feel like that's kind of fun, Dan. Uh, and uh, so basically the rooting guide, judging from the article you, you guys posted on Giants Wire, is that we want to see the Lions, Seahawks, Commanders, and now maybe even the Packers lose, right? We're rooting against, again, Lions, Seahawks, Commanders, and Packers. That's kind of the rooting guide going into week 16, no? Um, the Packers, you know, they kind of, Nah, they don't really factor in too much, especially since the Giants have the head-to-head tiebreaker. I mean, they're still alive. I mean, things 
could go a certain way. The Giants really control their own destiny, essentially, with, you know, get that W and the rest of it will, you know, ultimately fall into place over the next three weeks. I think their best course going into this weekend is having, you know, uh, the 49ers win. I think obviously that would be the, the big key there. And, you know, Kansas City against Seattle, I think, you know, that's kind of, you know, leans in the Giants' favor a little bit in, in terms of what needs to happen. But really, they, they can't get too sidetracked because they got a difficult matchup, potential playoff preview themselves uh, going up against Minnesota, who, you know, some will call, you know, overrated. I'm not necessarily in that camp. I think they have a very explosive offense. Uh, what they did, you know, last week against the Colts was incredible. Uh, you know, you can't blame the Colts a little bit for that. Uh, but, you know, they have a high-powered offense. They can score at will. Uh, they're a very dangerous team. And I said it in the past, the Giants can't really get into shootout games, even with, you know, even against a bad Vikings defense. So I, I think really they just got to keep their head down, uh, pay attention, get that win, and then kind of let the other, you know, pieces fall where they may. Uh, but if they do win, you know, if they are able to upset the Vikings, I think the odds are certainly in their favor, thanks to some of the other matchups for some of the other teams, all of whom are on the road. Yeah, and as you were saying earlier, I think uh, there's there's three playoff clinching scenarios. The one that I think makes the most sense and could definitely happen is Giants win, Seahawks loss at Kansas City, Washington loss at San Francisco. Uh, at least those those latter two scenarios seem like they could happen with Seattle at Kansas right. City, Washington at San Francisco, but the Giants still have to beat the Vikings. Minnesota is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home over the Giants. And... Uh, uh, I was in Las Vegas last weekend, Dan. I was in Vegas for the Patriots Raiders game. I know so you could say you're, I know you have plenty of sympathy for me as a Patriots fan <laughs> and the way that game ended, but I was in the stadium for that debacle. Uh, uh, and, but one of the funnest games that I watched was in the, actually at this, in the sports book at the Wynn Casino with the Vikings down 33 nothing at halftime uh, to the Colts and coming back and winning that ball game. That was just like ridiculous. You could tell early on that a lot of people had bet the Vikings to cover. And they were just so bummed out and depressed in the first half. And then like, <laughs> just like the elation in, in the sports book that I was in uh, during that second half was amazing. Uh, so the Vikings come back and win that game. They got a lot going. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? What's your gut reaction so far uh, as you're working on Giants Vikings? You know, I'd love to say that the Giants are going to come out and pull up and upset. And I mean, they certainly have a capability, you know, they're, they're entirely, we've seen that this season, you know, against the Titans and, you know, the Ravens, and there were a couple other teams in there that they kind of shocked when people weren't giving them a chance. It kind of has that feel going into this game. Um, it's it's one that the Giants could potentially win. I, I personally don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. I know the Giants fans aren't going to like to hear that. I, I just, I've said it time and time again this year, I just don't think the Giants can win a shootout, even against a bad defense. Um, they're just not built strong enough offensively for that kind of game. Uh, now, listen, if their pass rush you know, stays as dominant as it was last week, and they're constantly collapsing the pocket, forcing Kirk Cousins to move. You know, that really helps out a lacking secondary that's not going to have Xavier McKinney or Dory Jackson back. Um, you know, if one or both of those players were starting, I might feel a little bit differently about it. It's just, you know, Justin, you know, Justin Jefferson, he's just, he's just untouchably dominant at this point. Um, and I'm not really confident in someone like Fabian Moreau covering him one on one. He's also good against zone coverage. So, unfortunately for the Giants, I think their you know their playoff clinching moment is going to have to wait a week. Uh, the good news is that I do expect both Washington and Seattle lose this week. So 
you know, basically Lisa Giants would win one over the final two weeks and you're in kind of situation. And I kind of like both of those matchups, especially if Philly is kind of shutting it down a little bit um, in the final week of the season. I don't necessarily believe it's going to get that far, but we'll talk about that next week. Uh, but for this one, I don't think the Giants are going to come away with the upset, but I do think they're going to keep it a lot closer than I'm sure some analysts believe. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. The Vikings always play close games. Uh, they just... They just they need the game to be a one score, Dan. No matter what, they'll, they'll find a way to make it a one score. But then they'll find a way to yeah, win it usually. Yeah. Right, right. But that, that's what will make it dangerous against the Giants because the Giants are in, in very much the same boat. So, you know, the Vikings, if they're going to rely on that kind of game, if they're going to take it into the fourth quarter and think that you know that's their strength, that's going to be strength against strength. And I don't necessarily think that that bodes well for them. So they're going to have to put up you know, some points in this game and be up by, you know, two scores in the fourth quarter, because if they're not, uh, they're, they're going to risk, they're going to risk losing this game if they play it that way. Yeah. My, my favorite stat of between these two teams in this matchup that I found is fourth quarter, right? Fourth quarter scoring. The Vikings have averaged 9.4 points per game in the fourth quarter. It's the best in football. So again, they just, sometimes they'll suck for three quarters and they'll turn it on in the fourth. It's just like uncanny with this team. So 9.4 points per game for the Vikings in the fourth, best in football. The Giants are 10th at 6.7, Dan. So even during that little losing skit, it just shows you how it kind of illustrates how good the Giants have been late in games with those fourth quarter comebacks. It's going to have to be a big DJ game, right? Uh, mm-hmm. DJ is going to have to have his, his, his best game of the season. It's a defense that's burnable. Uh, the Vikings have allowed 349 points <laughs> this season. So they're, they have a differential of plus two on their opponents and points uh, allowed and scored. And they're 11 and three. So go figure that. That's how bad their defense has been. It's really bad. They let Matt Ryan, who's completely washed in the Colts score 33 points in the first half last weekend. That's how bad the defense is. So there should be some opportunities for the Giants. But I agree with you, Dan, just the talent on the Vikings offense, Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson, Kirk Cousins had a good, he's had a good season. Kevin O'Connell calling the plays. He's been pretty good this year, right? So it is an extremely talented offense that should give the Giants some issues. Uh, I mean, especially Jefferson, as you mentioned. When you see yeah. that guy play against your team, we all know he's dominant, especially if you play fantasy football. You know Justin Jefferson's ridiculous. But when he plays your team, like, you know, the Patriots played the Vikings on Thanksgiving Day night, and I had to watch the patch try to cover Jefferson. I was kind of honing in on that, and it was basically impossible. You, know, you could double-team yeah. him, whatever. He, he will catch the ball as he's simultaneously getting crushed, and he'll hold on to it. He mm-hmm. is just amazing. So, yeah, that's... That's tough. The spread again, as we're speaking now, could change. Minnesota, three and a half point favorite at home, Dan. What's the great Danton feeling? You rubbing the crystal I'm actually, ball. Yeah, I'm actually surprised it's, it's going down. It opened at four. It's down to three and a half. I'm kind of surprised by that, especially given the Giants injury news. But, it's, you know, the Vikings are a little banged up too, so there's obviously some concern there. But ultimately, I just, again, you know, Jefferson has dominated the elite of the elite this year. Like, he's that kind of guy. And now he's going against a defense that doesn't have anything close to that, unfortunately. Um, I think if Dory was out there, I don't think Dory would shut him down by any stretch of the imagination, but he'd certainly be better um, than what he's going to go up against on Saturday. Um, I, you know, ideally, the Giants will get a, a fierce pass rush going. Uh, they'll be moving the quarterback around the pocket, collapsing the pocket, and, you know, kind of throwing, you know, forcing some errant throws, and that'll help. But Ultimately, I think the Vikings are just too high-powered and the Giants are just too injured in the secondary to compete. So at three and a half with the spread going the opposite way, I think that bodes well, you know, better for anyone who wants to bet the Vikings 
Uh, ultimately, I kind of see this as a 27, 21, you know, 28, 23 kind of game, something somewhere in that range. Okay, so uh, let's just give a second pick, too, just in case the line does go back up to four, four and a half. Uh, if there's movement later in the week, uh, you still like Minnesota at that number? I think at four and a half, you're, you're, you're starting to get a little risky. Uh, just because both of these two, you know, both of these teams do play such close games, and the Giants, even if it ends up in a situation where, and we've seen this before, and and you know, it kind of hurt me um, in the recent past where they'll you know score some points in garbage time to kind of uh, close the gap on that spread. I could see something like that potentially playing out, or just them keeping it that close. I think at four, I still feel pretty safe, but once you start pushing it beyond that, uh, that's not necessarily a bet I would make. Well, thank God for you, Dan. And I was in again in Vegas, so betting a lot of games live. It's it's fun now in these sports book. You just go to the kiosk, you put your you know hundred dollar bill in there, and then you can make whatever pick you want right on the kiosk. It prints you out a ticket, and then after the game, you can go put your ticket back into the kiosk, and it spits the money out. It's like it's night and day. <laughs> I haven't been to Vegas in a long time. Uh, I must have bet on way too many games, lost way too much money in the sports book. Thank God for you uh, and and my Giants bet. On Sunday night, thank God for that because I really needed it. I think the only other bet I even got there was two that I hit. Other than that, it was Steelers money line and the Colts in that Vikings game. I did bet the Colts; it was three and a half. I bet the Colts for some reason, and when it was thirty-three to nothing, I was really uh, I thought that was in the bag. Uh, but it got a little scary at the end, Dan. But uh, you know, I, I covered by a half point. So we'll see uh, how this one works out with the Vikings. They're a weird team. They're a weird team. And I could definitely, as you said, I could definitely see the Giants hanging in there and making it, keeping it close. Four and a half would make me think a little bit. It would make me think about, you know, the Giants are tough. Their Giants are tough. Even when you don't think they're going to be in the game, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, they are. So screw you, Seattle. Screw you, Washington. <laughs> We're rooting against them this week, uh, Dan. Uh, Besides a Giants victory this weekend, uh, all I really want for Christmas is my internet to get fixed. So that's that's where yeah. I'm going next. Sorry, folks, if Dan sounds a little different here in the second segment. We're recording without internet again because it keeps going out yeah. randomly all of a sudden. It didn't happen for three years, but and I haven't changed anything, but now it's happening. So I'm going to go yell at somebody on the phone. Uh, but Dan, I, I, hope, uh, I hope you have a, a great Christmas weekend and all that. Happy New Year and, and all that, man, to you and the family. Yeah, same to you, buddy. I uh, hope everybody has a good weekend. Everybody listening, have Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, you know, Happy New Year. Um, hopefully the Giants, you know, deliver an upset. They've done it before on Christmas Eve. Maybe they'll do it again. Who knows? Uh, it certainly will be a great gift for Giants fans. But if not, you know, there's still plenty to be excited about. Two more chances at this if they don't win this weekend. you got to be feeling pretty good going into this final stretch if you're a Giants fan. All right. Happy Holidays to all. We'll be back in a couple weeks. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.